Carl Brooks didn't look like most other collegiate defensive ends. At over 300 pounds, he was a throwback, someone who looked like he was better fit in the 1980s and 1990s, except he, he wasn't, because all he did last year was absolutely dominate for Bowling Green. Didn't go to the Combine, was a Combine snub, but went to the Senior Bowl and acquitted himself well was so good last year, in fact, Pro Football Focus had him in the top 100 of their prospects for this most recent NFL draft. So how did he fall to the sixth round? What kind of player is Green Bay getting? Can he be part of the solution to the defensive line woes they've had over the last few seasons, really since Mike Daniels left town? We do another in our rookie orientation series, this time on Bowling Green defensive lineman Carl Brooks. You are Locked On Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked On Podcast Network. And he will score. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Zach Jackson from The Athletic joins us on the show today to talk about Carl Brooks. He wrote a, a really great feature on Brooks um, right around draft time, um, talking to his defensive line coach, Jim Nagy, who, who recruited him and, and scouted him at the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy, friend of the show, was on a couple of weeks ago. Carl Brooks came up in that conversation. If you missed that conversation, you can go back to it. I want to start with what, what I saw when I evaluated Carl Brooks and man, was he fun. Now, here's, here's the thing. There were a lot of draft guides, online draft nicks, et cetera, that had Carl Brooks well ahead of where he went. History tells us it doesn't really matter that, that um, it is, you're more likely to miss overdrafting guys than you are more likely to hit uh, what, what would be underdrafting guys, like getting a quote unquote steal. Most of the time, the guys who the consensus board has much higher, those guys don't hit at a higher rate. You would think they would, but they don't. Part of the reason Carl Brooks fell, I want to start there because there's plenty of great things to say about him and we're going to say them. Even at 6'3", 300, and you, you see the movement skills on tape. The measurables are just not there. 36th percentile speed score. 23rd percentile burst score, 25th percentile agility score. He's got short arms, 31 and a half inch arms. Like if you're under 34 as a tackle, that's where you start to go. Uh, he's at 31 and a half. Now playing inside, that's going to be a little bit better. But it's still not ideal. And you're talking about a small school player having to make that leap. The thing is, he was immensely productive. Like you want a small school guy to come in and dominate. And that's, that's what they did. Like if you have a small school guy or a, or a, a lower, a lower school, like a lower program kind of player, you get the, the, I hate to take shots at my buddy, uh, Jason Hirsch runs alma mater, but like Illinois for a long time, they were a laughing stock in the big 10. If you have a player from there, 
you want to see him really, really stand out because they don't get the best of the best of the best kinds of prospects. So if he's going to be good, you want to see it against Michigan and Ohio State and Wisconsin and Iowa. You don't want to just see it against, you know, our sisters of perpetual sorrow in the first three weeks of the season when they're beating up on, you know, the the division two team that they've scheduled. Carl Brooks was doing this week in and week out in the Mac, which is a legit league. They put team, they put players in the NFL every year. So let's let's be clear about that. He had a 93 PFF grade last year, a 96, uh, excuse me, a 92 pass rush grade and a 90.3 run defense grade. That is that is just like no one has that. Those are like Chase Young numbers. Now he didn't do it at Ohio State, but he did it. He did what you wanted him to do. An almost 24% pass rush win rate. That is enormous. That is crazy. One out of every four snaps in terms of pass rush, he's winning and creating problems for the opponent. Like just think about that. In, like if it's 28 dropbacks, he's winning seven times and getting into the backfield. That is incredibly impactful. He has incredible power off the edge. He can convert speed to power playing on the edge. I think he's someone who can who can play really well on stunts and twists if he's going to play three tech and five tech. He's got really, really good upper body strength. I use the word stunning. It's His upper body strength is stunning. So if he has short arms, you better be just an absolute stud upper body wise because you have to be able to generate that power somehow. He is that. He's got this push-pull bull rush move where he's going to get into your chest and he can just discard you. It's really remarkable. Um, he had a, a sack versus Akron where he showed a, a swipe move. He doesn't have that elite explosiveness. So he's not going to like beat you off the snap. He's a little heavy footed. Um, but his hands are so fast and so active. Like give me fast hands over fast feet all day. Because if you have fast feet and no hands, you're not going to win. Like there's just, these guys are too good. Even the bad offensive tackles can set up against speed and, and they're going to get you blocked. But if you can use your hands, you have a chance to win. He's got really good, um, what I call lateral juice. So he can he can beat you inside. He will sidestep blockers. He's got that arm over move. He got, he got a pressure pulling an arm over move and then on a tackle on the running back. He just went through the running back. I called him in my notes, a, a rolling ball of butcher knives. And what you love about him is, yes, he's he's you know going to be 23 as a rookie. There's there's plenty of room to understand the game a little bit more and get acclimatized to the game. But he doesn't need to go to pass rush school. Like Lucas Van Ness needs to needs to learn some of the things that Carl Brooks already knows, already can do. He can string together pass rush moves. If one move doesn't work, he can go to a secondary move. He's got a full bag. When it comes to the pass rush. And for a big guy, he's got a nice bend. Now, he's not going to be asked to bend the edge a ton. But that's still a good indicator for an interior pass rusher. He was, I have it in my, in my notes here. I have dominant in all caps. Like, just watch him play. It was as much fun as I had scouting a prospect in this process was watching Carl Brooks. He is an ass kicker. So here is what I ultimately landed on here. Brooks is a unique body type, but was absolutely unblockable in the Mac. He was winning consistently in a variety of ways. His upper body strength is terrific, and he could walk back 300-pound men into the laps of QBs. It doesn't matter who those guys are. If you have the power to do that, this is me editorializing again. 
If you can do that, I don't care if it's in the Mac. If you can just walk 300 pound dudes into the lap of the quarterback, that plays. But he also has enough versatility and lateral burst to work on twists, on stunts, which we're going to see, as well as dip and bend the edge. He's a refined technician as a pass rusher. And while I think he projects as an inside player in the NFL, which we saw at the Senior Bowl, because of his size and lack of athletic tools, giving him the chance to work on games where he winds up getting a running start versus an offensive tackle is setting himself up for success. The position change and uptick on competition makes him somewhat of a risk, but he's an NFL player with pass rush ability, and that's worth a lot. I gave him a third round grade. The Packers got him like a hundred picks after where I felt like he should have been drafted. I There were parts of the process. You guys, everydayers will remember if you, if you go back with me to the draft, I, the way that I find who to scout is I basically take everyone who is in a first round mock of people that I respect. I watch those guys first. And then I extend it to top 50s. And I end up watching somewhere between 100 and 150 guys. I don't have time to watch 300 like Dane Brugler and, and you know, um, Matt Miller and all these guys. Like, they're, they're just, that's what they do. I watched him because he was in someone's top 32. I don't remember if he was in the first round of a mock, but he was in someone's, he was an early guy that I put on the list because he was in someone's top 32. If he had tested a little better, I think he could have been, you know, a much higher pick. You're going to hear from Zach Jackson from The Athletic that a scout told him that he wasn't in the top 100 for them, but he could see Carl Brooks going in the top 100 because of the tools. That's the player that the Packers got in the sixth round. That is remarkable. All right, we're going to hear from Zach Jackson from The Athletic, who wrote this great feature on Carl Brooks. Before we do... Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. So you can put 20 bucks in and you'll land 200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to win, who you think is going to hit the first home run, put a couple guys together. And you've got yourself a parlay. I love a multi-home run parlay with like three guys over the course of, you know, a couple different games to hit home run. You're going to get really good odds on that. You get nine to one, 12 to one, 15 to one and have night. Now you're really, now you're really cooking on an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. Plus when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up that $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. Every day is we're back tomorrow. Another interview, Matt Derry from Locked On Lions. He and I had a really fun conversation um, about where these two teams are going uh, the potential changing of the guard, all that stuff. Where the Packers sit, it's a lot of me talking about the Packers to Matt. Um, so it's a it's a unique situation. I, this is kind of like a, an offseason crossover. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And then more to come next week. Joining me now, he covers the Cleveland Browns and the NFL for The Athletic, Zach Jackson. And Zach, you wrote a piece uh, back in April about Carl Brooks, who ended up being a Green Bay Packers pick in the sixth round. And I thought there was some really interesting stuff in here about being an undersized high school player, um, some questions about where he's going to play in the NFL. 
What did you set out to find when you started reporting this piece? Yeah, so I, I love college football and love Mac football specifically. Um, depending where you are in Northeast Ohio, Bowling Green's two hours away. Bowling Green's coach mm-hmm. is from where I live now. And so I'm watching these games against Toledo and Kent State, and the announcers are talking about this 305-pound guy playing defensive end, and you just don't see it. So I kind of filed it away. So we go to January, and he gets the Senior Bowl invite. So I just hit the phones and start like, Hey, can someone hook me up with Carl Brooks? And so it's mid to late January and my phone rings and it's Carl Brooks. <laughs> he doesn't know me. Um, super nice kid. Just, you know, asked him his story. Uh, so, like I said, super polite and in a wild story, you know, not totally out of the ordinary. Lots of guys grow later. Lots of guys develop later, especially in this day and age where we want to crown every 14 year old athlete. Right. Yeah. The thing that stuck with me is he was like, I always love football. I always played football, but I never thought until like four months ago that I was any good at it. And I was like, what? So um, I kind of filed that away. I went to the senior bowl. He certainly looked the part, right? And I interviewed Jim Nagy and I just kind of kept it um, under wraps. So I went to, and this is where it's interesting. And this is how you know that he's good. Um, Toledo and Bowling Green are about 20, 25 minutes, 20 miles apart from each other, right? And Toledo gets guys drafted every year. Well, I had never been to a Bowling Green Pro Day because they haven't had many guys. They've had a few. I didn't even know they had an indoor field house. So I get there on this Monday morning and like there's way more people than I've ever seen. So people are there to see him, putting him through his workout. And then um, those pro days are always the day or two days before Ohio State's, Mm. you know, trying to get everybody in there. Ohio State's probably 100 miles south of there or so. So um I asked the scout who I really trust at Ohio State's pro to, hey, uh, this Bowling Green kid, is he good? And he laughed and he said, I don't know. And he just basically said that he was intriguing. He was interesting. Nobody knew what kind of position he he had. So based on what he said, fifth round does not surprise me. Um, you know, based on him being a Matt guy who never really dominated until last year, it won't surprise me if it takes a year. But like everything checks out from like, you know, this is – good kid, an interesting kid, a skilled kid, and he wants to be good. So if, if teams can have patience, if the Packers can have patience with him, you know, I won't be surprised if he ends up being a good player. When you say, you know, he didn't believe he was any good until, you know, whatever, six months before yeah. that it was, did you, did, did he expound on that? That Was he just like, I just was kind of flailing around or was it because it didn't click for him? You think? Yeah. Well, you know, they had a bad field. team. Yeah. They had a bad team. They had the COVID year. Mm. Um, they had a lot of change, you know, when you get a good max staff, the guys leave for more money. It's just how it goes. So, um, one thing in that situation where, especially when I don't really know a guy, I say, who do I call and ask who knows you the best? And right away, his answer was his D line coach, Julian Campanelli from Bowling Green the last couple of years. So I said, listen, Carl told me something that I've never heard because these kids are usually supremely confident. Right. And he said, I have, I've just never never done it, never thought I could do it. And he said, that sounds right. He said, it basically came down to he and Carl having some conversations of like, look, we're playing these power five teams and you're flashing and we're getting ready to play these Mac teams and they're changing their whole blocking scheme for you. So do you want to do this? Do you want to be serious about your weight and your strength and you know, your skill for the NFL, or do you just want to ride this season out and go do something else? And I think it was kind of a, again, this wasn't an outrageous story. It's not like this was a D three kid that came out of nowhere, put on these hundred pounds in a year, but it was kind of like, okay, um, 
I know because the Browns have been in the D line market for the last couple of years, there is a certain body type and it's hard to find these guys. Right. And the ones that go to the senior bowl are the best of the best, at least in terms of raw prospects, because it is hard to find guys that are legit six, two, six, three, legit yeah. 300 pounds and can get out of a stance. And Carl's one of them. And, um, you know, like I said, it just, just from our few dealings, I'm rooting for him. And he reminds me of another kid who's, from Ohio, John Kaminsky, who was drafted by the Falcons, was a D2 player, similar story, out of nowhere, high school wide receiver, whatever. Um, and he didn't work in Atlanta, but Detroit, he just signed him to a big second contract. And I just think if, if you're that big and athletic, if you get with the right D-line coach and stick with it, um, the proof is there that you can get that second contract and you can have a career. I think, too, the, the coaching piece of this for a player like him is is so important because he needs a coach that's going to say, we, we believe in you because I think it's easy, especially for these big guys, like in the trenches, you have to, you have to love it or it gets old in a hurry. And I think the, the last quote in your piece um, really, really brings it home that, that he's willing to work. The last line is I just want teams to know I'm going to work for everything that I can get to the quarterback and that I care about winning play me anywhere. Mm -hmm. I just want to win. And I think that tells you that he's a guy that is like, he's, he's just going to keep battling because keep battling is, that's like the model that got him to where he is. Yeah. Yeah. Su super nice. And so was his family, his high school coach that I talked with. Um, but yeah, that I think that matches what that scout told me at Ohio State's pro day. He was basically saying where we want where we want to play him or where we view him on our draft board. He, we, we just haven't seen him do it. Right. So I can't tell you. Right. So. Um, and of course, I'm not going to give away that team because we have this stupid rule where their scouts can't put their names to things. Right. Yes. And it gets passed around. But I can tell you they play a similar, at least base defense to the Packers. And, you know, when he plays three, four end and plays inside, he's he's the, the prototype. He just hasn't done it a lot. And when he's done it, it's been against Akron and OU, you know, not for three years at the highest level. He is unique. You mentioned the size, you know, listed, I think, at 303. Um, was is 293, I think, for the Packers is what they said. Yeah. Usually in college, when you have a guy at that size playing end, it's because they're not supposed to be that big. Like that, that's just not yeah. the way the NFL is right. played anymore. Like, like Reggie White was 305 back in the day. Um, that's not what we see now. Did you get any clarity on why he was playing at that weight? Was that just the weight he felt most comfortable at? Well, he was playing true end for them. Yeah, yeah. He was playing some stand-up too. So yeah. Um, I think the answer, best answer there came from Jim Nagy of the senior bowl, who basically told me he was calling up there, checking on Carl's weight, They're basically saying, this is one of eight or 10 guys that we're looking at. We need to know that he's going to be the size that we think it is because all the scouts go to Bowling Green, but they go once they don't, they don't go twice. <laughs> right. That's just, that's just how it goes. So um, he was, yeah, Bowling Green listed him at three Oh five. He told me he was two ninety five to 300. Um, I don't the senior bowl official weight you can find, but he wanted to be back above 300 for his pro day. Um, he got sick uh, right before his pro day and was like 295. So when the Packers 293, that was probably what he weighed for them on his visit or, you know, at, at rookie minicamp. What they want him to play at, I don't know, but that would be pretty similar to what he played at last season. So what's interesting is if teams only went once. If you look at like pro football focus grades or whatever else you want to look at, the, just the box score, he basically didn't have a bad game. Like he was yeah. he was pretty dominant last year. Um, and so it, it doesn't surprise me that there are teams that were there going, we got to see this kid. We got to figure out how to how to get him to move inside. I, I think the question is for for someone like that is 
the adjustment period. So based on what you saw, because you said you were at the Senior Bowl, based on what you saw, what do you think the learning curve for him is going to be with that adjustment? And you, you had the quote from the Bowling Green defensive line coach in the piece that you know, he's going to have to adjust to this, yeah. but he can. Yeah, no, I think it is. I think he has all the traits, the size and the athleticism. And it's just, okay, whether he's inside a tackle or outside a three, four end, you know, what are they asking him to do and, and how quickly, you know, can he do it? So yeah, he, he can, he can do it. Um, you know, the crazy thing is playing, he was playing stand up like three, four outside linebacker for Bowling Green. He's not yeah, going to do that. It's wild. Uh, and the pros and, and, you know, that is honestly why I make the Kaminsky comparison because mm-hmm. he was playing D two and really had never even played defensive line before he did that. So they're watching him against way worse tackles than the Mac. And they're just saying, okay, let's put him at edge edge rusher and go see, well, then the Falcons aren't very good and he's on a learning curve and they change coaches. So of course he gets lost. Like that's a pretty common story. Whereas Detroit says, okay, he's big enough to play here. We can move him all around. He starts getting more confident in his third year. He knows he's playing for his life. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's making a $4 million signing bonus. So that's why I use that comparison because I'm no D line technique expert, but there is a difference in what you're asked to do. And then certainly what you're asked to do when you're a small school guy who comes into training camp and plays against the ones. Uh, This is an interesting question, particularly for you because you cover the Browns. And I think there's a lot of cultural similarities with the Packers and the Browns, Packers fans and Browns fans. Um, Lucas Van Ness, who was the Packers first round pick, I had his private defensive line coach on the show a couple of weeks back. And he talked about how he doesn't think Lucas has any idea how good he is. Like he knows he's pretty good, but he's like, when this kid figures out he can be special, he's going to take off. And that's why part of the reason this is so interesting to me, because this is another kid. And it just seems like there is a fit with that blue collar, you know, that rust belt mentality that I know we're not recruiting college football and it's it's not quite the same, but it just feels like there's a cultural fit there. And I don't know if you've ha- have ever had those kind of conversations in, in Cleveland as well, but what do you think of that idea? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I, I mean, I think on traits, um, some team might've taken Carl Brooks in the top 100, right? Because you just, you just can't find those guys. So, you know, did, what did they determine about the position switch or what showed up in his background? I don't know. I mean, I thought it was bizarre that he didn't get invited to the combine. Right. But yeah, um, you know, he moved past that. He didn't want to talk about it by the time they came around. But yeah, I I think there is some certainly something to be said for that. And I know like the Browns screwed up the defensive tackle position (laughs) last year. And, you know, they're a midseason signing guys signing 25 year old undrafted rookies off other teams practice squad like desperately. So, um, you know, I when I talked to the scout at Ohio State's pro day, I've, my second question was, is he a top 100 guy, whatever? And he was said, not for us, but based on the traits, he wouldn't be surprised. So I think the Packers should feel confident by getting him in the fifth round. And I'm anxious to see, you know, how it works out and what position they, they try to, you know, give him. Cause he does. That's the thing with these developmental defensive linemen, you can have a two-year plan, a four-year plan, but you have to make the 53. You know, you have to you have to be ready to play on Sunday or they're going to find somebody who isn't. So, um, you know, I hope it works out for Carl. Like I said, just in our limited interactions, just a super nice kid and on or off the record, couldn't find anybody to say anything other than (laughs) we're rooting for him because he has the potential to do this. I think some teams, probably more teams than not viewed it as two or more years down the road. And that's why he was available when he was. Yeah, that's often the case with these small school guys that even if they have the physical ability that that's going to take them some time. One of the reasons, yeah, I actually talked to Jim Nagy about this, coincidentally, that a lot of these guys fail is has nothing to do with the physical ability. It's all about their their ability to handle adversity and you sharing that that 
conversation that he had with his, I think you said defensive line coach about like, do you really want to do this? Do you want to, do you want to be really good? Cause you can be, it seems like he has the mental makeup that if he don't, if he doesn't play much as a rookie or he's on the practice squad, even as a rookie, that it's not going to discourage him. Like he's kind of been there before with this. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, he led Bowling Green in sacks for five years. And I would say, I mean, I've been covering the draft 20 plus years, right? I've certainly never seen a team, a guy, it just doesn't happen. Right. And it yeah. took some, some odd circumstances, but to have that, you know, cause some of these Matt guys do pop and a lot of them have made it. Um, and then say, well, I never really thought I could do it. Like, like, dude, pass rushers get paid. Like if you're leading yeah. a division one team in sacks, the NFL knows about you. That's right. <laughs> I think he just didn't ever give him a reason until last September to, to make that second stop back. And when he did coach camp, and other guys are like, Hey, you, you can do this. And you know, there's, if you look at it, like I said, Bowling Green's been bad for a long time. It was a yeah. long time ago that urban Meyer was there. They had the COVID year. Um, the Mac East division just hit a spot where there wasn't, there weren't a ton of players and there wasn't a whole lot of reason to go back. And it's Scott Le- Leffler's the coach. He's been around college forever. He's done a nice job in getting them turned around, but like six and six or whatever they were last year was a huge turn, a huge, like they had been two and 10, like one of the worst teams in the country. So you could easily see how Carl, when he got hurt in the COVID year and whatever was probably thinking, okay, I'm going to graduate and go do something else. And then he just happened to still be playing football in 2022. And it was like, do you want to do this? Because there's not too many guys who have that size. That's where my guy Dino Babers from Syracuse was at. So um, I'm I'm glad that they have uh, they found something else. They're doing great. And Zach, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, man. All right, thank you. All right, thanks to Zach for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. Today's episode. Thank you so much for making your first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. We've got a piece coming out from Jason Hirschhorn tomorrow on the Leap a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Uh, And Locked On Sports Today is always there for you to get you caught up. Right now is a great time to get caught up on all the sports around the league. NBA, free agent, craziness. NHL, draft, offseason, getting underway. You've got golf. Golf is happening. Baseball is in full swing, no pun intended. And then the NFL right around the corner so you can get up to date on everything around the sports world in under 20 minutes with Locked On Sports Today. Back tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter. I can't say my own last name, apparently. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, you can do that on our YouTube page, Locked on Packers on YouTube. So you can stay Locked on Packers. <laughs>